Search Press is the leading supplier of arts and crafts books in the UK. They publish beautiful and practical books, and I do own plenty myself. And even more exciting is that I'm currently working with them on a book of my own. They are fantastic books. They're designed to delight and instruct artists and crafters of all skill levels the world over. For full details, visit searchpress.com or just take a look on the show notes of our website. Hi, I'm Peter Keegan. And I'm Tom Shepherd, And welcome to Ask an Artist, the podcast designed for working artists and makers, people just like us, who are looking for tips and advice, ideas and strategies for not only making, but selling their work too. Covering a range of topics from social media to approaching galleries, interviewing fellow artists and industry experts, Ask an Artist podcast is here to keep you company in the studio and to help you on your artistic journey. Art books and craft books. Peter and I love consuming them in all their forms. But what is it like being on the other side of a book? By this, I mean writing, creating and publishing a book. For many of us, writing about ourselves and our art is an integral part of being a creative business owner, whether it's on a website, social media, blogs. But how much of a leap is it to then write and produce a book? Why might we even entertain the idea of doing so? And what are some of the different ways of publishing one? And what can we expect from the process and the final result and the knock-on effects for our business? To answer these questions and generally help us gain a deeper insight into this world, we have a special guest joining us from the world-renowned book publisher specialising in art and craft books, Search Press Limited's senior editor, Ed Ralph. Hi, Ed. Welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We're really excited to get stuck into this. So I'm going to dive in quickly and mention that Peter... Uh, has successfully self-published a book a few years ago. And I myself, very excitingly, am currently working on a book with Ed for SearchPress. So it kind of seems like the, the obvious place to start then is to set the scene on just who SearchPress are uh, and what it is that you guys do. Yeah, well, SearchPress is uh, an arts and crafts specialist publisher. We've been going since 1970, so we've just passed uh, 52 years. Uh, I can give you a little potted history of the company, which was set up by uh, a lady called Lottie Della Bedroyer, uh, and uh, her husband owned uh, a religious imprint, and she wanted to do uh, craft books and gardening books, which she set up and ran from a little office in London. And she then managed the company very successfully for 27 years, during which it grew and grew. And we produced a relatively famous uh, series of books called the Leisure Art Series, which uh, was was a great success for us. Nowadays, uh, her son and his wife, uh, Martin Delabedware and Caroline Delabedware, have taken over running uh, the company. And we've just gone from strength to strength. What we do is we try and produce the best art and craft books in the world. And the way we've always done that is just try to make them highly illustrative, very clear, and just uncondescending. We think you can make simple books. We think you can make books that explain things well and just get across what it is that excites the author about it. All of our authors uh, are artists, craftspeople, everything from sewing to tatting, to knitting, oil painting, pretty much any craft you can name, we publish. 
And having been to the Search Press HQ and, and, and met everyone and seen the vibe there, there's like a nice sort of underlying ethos and everyone there seems excited to be working on these projects and producing these books. There's a yeah. very kind of general creative vibe uh, in the office in general. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's, uh, it's as I say, a family-run company. Uh, when I joined about well, 16 years ago now going on, uh, it, it, it was still relatively small. I think there were fewer than 30 of us. It's now grown. I think there's now 40 or so of us. But it's just retained that very friendly, nice, informal manner. Everyone sort of feels uh, able to chat with everyone. And uh, it's nice to be able to to work with such a nice bunch of people. I think <laughs> yeah. that hopefully comes across in the books. Yeah, that, definitely. Uh, it's, they're not books produced under horrible sort of sweatshop conditions or anything. It's genuinely enjoyable to work here, which yeah, is why I've stuck excellent. around for 16 years. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have that fabulous title as of senior editor. So <laughs> can you tell us what on earth is a senior editor? What do you do in terms of supporting the production of these books? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the senior part is relatively simple, and that's basically I've been here a long time. So <laughs> if any of the, the younger members of the team uh, have any sort of questions, I can generally say, well, here's how we tried it previously, offer a bit of guidance. And I've now, I think, worked on coming up to 250 books, which probably covers around 200 authors. So an editor has two main roles. There's the author-facing role, where they're responsible for basically any concerns that the author has. Uh, The editor's got to make sure that the material that comes in is clear, concise, and correct. It needs to be able to communicate... uh, the skill that the author has, it needs to get across that passion the author has, and it needs to be interesting for the reader. I mean, fundamentally, I think that uh, whether you're producing books or a podcast or uh, a website, a YouTube channel, what you want to do is get across what you want to explain to someone. Now, if in terms of painting, for example, you need to show where you're starting, where you're finishing, and what you're doing in the middle. An editor will sort of help to bring all this together. So if you're self-publishing, you've got to rely on yourself for uh, first and foremost. Now, there's great freedom in that, in that you're able to uh, do exactly what you want. A good editor, hopefully, will be like... uh, a colleague who will say, perhaps we could alter the weight of this. I think what you've got here is really interesting, but I'm not sure it's really following the direct aim of what we're doing. So, uh, yeah, I I think that probably fundamentally explains the author-facing side. What's interesting about that is that, obviously, as an editor, you have lots of jobs and tasks to do mm. and many, many different types of ones. But actually, you're kind of, if you were to summarise your job, it's actually you're, you're a bit more of a translator between the artist and the writer and and the audience. You're kind of the go-between to, to ease that kind of language and how it moves from one to the other. Yes, I think so. Uh, I mean, ultimately, it's a, you're a nodal point. You're the the point of contact for the author, but you've yeah. also got to explain 
everything about the book to other members of the company and to the the audience, of course. So uh, if we're writing marketing copy, then we've got to make sure that we're writing that to explain what's so amazing about this book. We we spend so much time concentrating on getting the books perfect. It seems a real shame if someone doesn't get to pick it up because they haven't seen that it's available. Mm. Um, so being able to communicate with the marketing team about just what's special about this book or communicate with the sales team to sort of say, this is the the angle I think you ought to take on it. This is where mm. this book really excels. So you have been doing this 16 years. That's given mm. us quite a clear view of what you do. Can you kind of pinpoint some of the elements of this job that you that you really enjoy and that you find most exciting? Well, at Search Press, I think we have relatively unusual editorial role in that it's as much layout and design mm. as it is uh, what you might think of as more formal editing, uh, sort of line editing, copy editing, checking all the, the text and grammar, etc. Because Search Press do illustrated books, we have uh, a studio attached to the office. We invite the authors down, as as you'll know, Tom, having sort of come down recently. Uh, we'll bring you into the studio and we'll have a, a photographer. We, we use a, a number of really talented photographers. And the editor will perch over your shoulder and take notes. So they'll help to direct the, the photographer on just what it is we're showing. And they'll... Well, I'll, I'll ask the author, what is it you're trying to show here? What, what do you want to get across? Because I think if you're trying to do something yourself, you'll be painting and you'll explain in a way that makes sense to you. Mm. But that won't necessarily come across to someone who isn't familiar or isn't as intimately familiar. So part of my job is being a professional idiot and <laughs> asking those questions that, you know, I, I, you know, you're talking to me about glazing. You're talking to me about, you know, uh, sewing a, a particular stitch, for example. I've got to ask, I don't know what that is. Now, whether that material gets into the book is uh, neither here nor there. Mm. But one of the great things about my job, my day-to-day -day job, is the fact that I effectively have had, you know, sort of a decade or more of private lessons from some of the most talented <laughs> artists around, you know, sort of sitting there and going, well, this is brilliant. I, do, I just get, you know, one-to-one -one tuition. Yeah, absolutely. I like the sound of yours. You're sort of providing clarity, kind of written clarity to the thoughts of the reasons why an artist or a craftsman or a maker is doing what they're doing. Because, you know, I know, Tom, we have experienced this as, as painters and all artists, that when you're doing it, you're so absorbed into the act of creating mm. Sometimes to verbalise that and then to certainly write it down seems quite a distant thing because mm. it's always sort of done afterwards. But what's really interesting is you're kind of capturing that in the moment so you can kind of get kind of that raw footage of experience of what that artist is yeah. doing and how they're doing it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And it's worth noting that it's not simply a case of uh, me then ghostwriting the book. Mm. What, what notes I'm taking down are effectively... Uh, the, the practical stuff. What paints are you using? What brushes are you using? How are you placing the paint? Where are you placing the paint? What's the consistency? Little bits like that. I try and pick up the, the voice of the author as we're going, but inevitably it's a, a relatively short time frame. 
you know, most shoots will take between three and five days. But I'll then take the book back to my desk, drop in the, the photographs and drop in the text, and then sit through and lay it out. A bit like putting together a magazine. So anyone who sort of sat at home when they were a kid and cut out some pictures and cut out some some writing and made a little comic or something, that's effectively what I get to do all day. So it's a really fun part of the job. I think what's nice is, as you said earlier, like you think editor, you think someone in my head, even slaving away over a typewriter, just, yeah. you know, like <laughs> doing that, this sort of very mundane thing of literally editing text. And as you said, some of your job is that, but a lot of your job is very, very creative. Like you are literally creating mm. a book from scratch and that in itself is an art form and a creative practice. Um, yes. And just like us as artists, you have to then wear a lot of different hats. Yeah, that's true. But it, it's w worthwhile remembering that, you know, you're doing it as part of a team. So yes. inevitably, when you're sitting down and you're working through a book, you'll come to something where you're a bit stuck and you think, oh, well, you know, one of my colleagues can, can give me a hand. You know, Beth knows a lot about this or Lindsay knows a lot about that. So I'll go to them, ask some advice, maybe just an opinion. Do you think this works better? That works better? Beyond them, they've also got the design team. So we work very closely with uh, Juan, Maz and Emma, who are the designers here at Search Press. Um, so they'll really be able to sort of polish up a book and bring in new ideas. So as a book is uh, going through, if I come back to the stage we were talking about where I'm dropping in the pictures, dropping in the text, I'll work through and do a very quick layout, um, make sure everything's roughly in place, then post it out to the author. And this is the stage where your book is currently, Tom. Mm. So you'll be going through uh, checking that it sounds like you, checking that everything's correct because with the best will in the world, you know, you're the expert on this. And I think it's, it's uh, if you'll excuse an aside, it's really important for an editor not to suddenly decide they know everything. <laughs> uh, because it, it's, it's easy to suddenly think, oh, yeah, well, you know, I wrote all this down. But sometimes when you're coming to check through it, uh, you'll go, well, I don't think that's really captured what I am doing. So... You'll scribble down your notes. I'll then take those in. And then, as I say, we come back to that collaborative aspect in-house where I'll take what you've passed on, take those uh, bits of information in, and then sit down again with the designers, with the marketing team, uh, and with uh, Sam, our publisher, and Becky, our managing editor, and we'll work through, are we sticking with what we commissioned? Is this what the book's meant to be? And this is the other hat an editor has to wear is making sure that a book is commercially viable. Mm. You know, I, we do a lot of work early on with uh, commissioning right authors. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll chat a bit later on about the acquisitions aspect of uh, producing books. Uh, and that that's something that's a lot of fun as well. So on that kind of note of talking about the commercial element mm -hmm. of, of what you eventually do with the the end result so one of the big things and we've spoken about this you know there's so much different type of content out there these days you know you've got online content like you know your youtube people running online courses and membership sites and then you've got also in-person teaching and you've got ebooks as well as physical books it seems like there's a lot out there absolutely do these physical books though are they are they still relevant in amongst all of that do they still have a place in the art and craft world as the online world just continues to to boom 
See, that's interesting. I think uh, of your audience, I suspect there's going to be a large proportion throwing their hands up and saying, God, let's not get rid of books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Every so often we'll sort of think, oh, God, look, here's, here's a potential threat. We've got YouTube or we've got eBooks. Mm. And to be honest, I've always thought that these things aren't cannibalistic in the same mm. way that you can produce uh, a, a YouTube tutorial. Uh, you can write a book to support that. They're not, they don't have quite the same audience. Although, of course, there's going to be a lot of crossover. So coming back to the question of do books have a place? I absolutely think they do. I think that every medium can do things in a slightly different way. Mm. But one of the the things I love most about books, and this is a, a, a personal thing, but I think it's shared quite broadly, is that it's a physical object, mm. as well as the sort of fact it's nicely designed and laid out and looks beautiful. There's the practical side of if you're working through a process, so going from a blank canvas uh, to a finished artwork, in a video, you have to stop or pause or skip back or skip forward. It, it's disruptive and you lose that flow. With a book, you can lay the book open and see where you're going all at once. Mm. So you, you have that additional backup. And that's why I think books are so useful, particularly to people who are uh, starting out, mm. because they can be reassured that, you know, I mean, you're both excellent artists and you, I'm sure halfway through a lot of your paintings, you think, Oh God, this has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. This is not looking good. This is looking messy, but you can bring it back. You can develop it and having the confidence to be able to do that. Uh, and to be able to communicate it to someone is a real skill. You know, I, I think that confidence is what books can help with. It's a really nice point you've made there for me, Ed, and I, in my experience, completely agree with it that um, these are not actually competing markets. If anything, they are somewhat complementary markets. Like, Absolutely. You know, if someone really enjoys your course, there's a very high chance they're going to love buying your book. And everyone yeah. loves having a bookcase with books in it. And you can pull out a book and you can feel it and you can look at it. And it's a completely different experience and in some ways um i feel it engages the brain in a very different way a book particularly because it's, 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 it's much physical. slower and i think yeah, exactly. that, that's one of the other nice aspects of it is um th this is what i mean when i talk of book as object uh, it's something that you don't have to worry if the battery's going you don't have to worry <laughs> about the the light values and whether it's going to mess with your sleep it's it's just something you can engage with on your own terms in your own time. And in that, I think it's actually like a lot of arts and crafts are. People want to lose themselves in the flow. They don't want to be continually distracted by things popping up in the corner. Uh, you know, that we, we all live very busy lives and having somewhere that, you know, maybe it's a nook in the corner next to a bookshelf where you can sit down and just flick through. Uh, some inspiration. And it, it's that inspiration, actually, that, um, and new ideas that I think a book is fantastic for. You know you've got them and physically you know where your thumb needs to go to pull out that painting that really caught your eye. You haven't got to worry about trying to bookmark something or remember exactly where in the video it is. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it, it and that's kind of what I mean, I think, when I feel that it engages 
your brain in a slightly different way. Because even an、mm. ebook, for example, which might even have completely the same information as the physical book,、mm-hmm. I personally much prefer sitting with the physical book. And there's just something, as you say, about working through it and. You know where little things like where where your thumb wants to go and,、yeah. and just finding、mm. finding it. It's almost like reading a physical book is like sitting down and taking your time and having a cup of tea. You know, other platforms, it's almost like you're rushing around like a madman trying to get something done. Is to kind of use that slightly clumsy metaphor. To, to come in on that、uh, point you made about、um, complementary markets or fields, I think it is worth noting that while I love books, I mean, you know.、Uh, <laughs> That's why why I stay here. It's、uh, being able to do things with other media is also great. You know, I mean,、mm. being able to, you know, provide information about where you can find the author's videos and so on、mm. and so forth within the book is great. But even things like eBooks now,、uh, Search Press's eBooks are deliberately designed to be as close as possible to the physical book, and the、mm. reason we do that is because we value the the design and the layout time that. And the way it's all being laid out, it's easy for things to be broken up and to be lost otherwise.、Mm, But、yeah. eBooks have the great advantage that you can zoom in. So what is limited physically in size in a book、uh, as a little step image, or perhaps just a an additional picture that's in there, you can zoom and blow up as big as you like.、Mm. So you know it, it's all swings and roundabouts, and that, that it's it's lovely to be able to. To serve both those complementary markets, I think the kind of that balance and the synergy between creating art, creating craft, and the books in that sort of more analog process—they've always been hand in hand. They've always been side by side. The amount of creatives I know that have an extensive bookcase filled to the brim. With inspiration and artists before them, and how tos、mm-hmm. and so on, that we always refer to. I refer to my books constantly for my own practice as well as I'm teaching. It's I see it as very much I part of my creative practice. It is you know they are as useful to me sometimes as the paint and the paintbrush that I'm using to create the painting. Yeah, and actually that idea of、uh, having this stuff nearby, close to hand, that you can flick through and get ideas and inspiration from. Uh, Search Press. We produce lots of different series of books because not every book is simply here's an author who does some wonderful paintings. Let's show you how they do it. There will be、uh, certain aims in mind. We might have a series aimed at the beginners, like you know that we have a series called for the absolute beginner. So that's、uh, you know if you want to learn watercolors, that assumes absolutely no knowledge whatsoever. Uh, it, it will talk you through the brushes. It will talk you through the paints you need, exactly how much water to dilute the paint with, and so on and so forth. And that's fantastic for someone who perhaps wants to go to classes but is very shy.、Mm. Perhaps there, I, I think it's a common thing for people who move into art as a hobby that they do it later on in life because they've been put off by doing it in school in a group environment. Where they've just felt they haven't quite measured up, or for whatever reason they they received a bad mark, and it, I think that's a that's a terrible shame. So a book allows you to do something in the privacy of your own home. No one's going to judge you. No one's even going to see it unless you want to share it. But at the other end of the market, we've got sort of high end stuff. So、um, in a couple of your earlier episodes, you had interviews with Haiti Joe Summers. And Adabanji Alade, who you know now the president and、uh, vice president of the Royal Institute of Oil Painters, you know these are high-end artists, and 
not that it would be doing them a disservice to be doing a, a, a beginner's book, because ultimately I think the best teachers are ones who can communicate complex ideas in a simple way. But the books they've written with us have tended to be very focused on a particular aspect. So in Adabanji, it's, uh, it's sketching, every aspect of that. And Heidi Jo Summers produced two lovely books, the most recent one on plein air painting. In a beginner's oil book, you, you might touch on painting outside. But if you are an expert artist, as I imagine most of your audience is, that they're looking to sort of move into a more commercial aspect, then using a book like Plein Air Painting, it has exercises in, it has projects to follow along with, but they're not broken down in quite the same way as they would be in a beginner's book. They're more provided as, look, here's, here's a particular aspect that I'm looking at, perhaps say looking at contrajure painting. How does Heidi Joe deal with that? What are the broader uh, aspects and challenges and opportunities of that? And being able to present a couple of exercises and then some of Heidi Joe's paintings where she can talk more in depth about how she went about doing it, that that's a fantastic thing to be able to collect together. Because otherwise you're looking at, say, magazine articles, which may focus on a particular aspect, but it, it's all scattered. A, a book can gather together a lot of information and present it in well, infinite ways. Mm. I guess, yeah, it makes it a more cohesive um, kind of collection then. And I think it's a really interesting point there, Ed, is that you, people may think that in writing a book, maybe it does have to be a beginner's book, which, as you said, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's nice to hear that there's absolutely a place for maybe like a more intermediate book or if you have something yeah. a skill that you've developed that's maybe very niche or something you've developed and you're quite advanced in it mm. and you would like to teach people that are a little bit further along in their journey a book is still a fantastic platform from which to do that yeah absolutely and to be honest actually that having a, a unique idea that you can hang a whole book around that mm. You know, even if uh, perhaps you don't quite know how you would communicate that, that's one of the advantages of having a, a publisher. Because if, if you're self-publishing, you will need to refine that idea yourself and make sure that it's all lovely and clear and you've got it in your head. And secondly, you've got to be confident that that's going to hit the ground running, that people are mm. going to go, yeah, I want to hear more about that. As a As a publishing house you've got that experience and range of being able to help refine something. So a, mm. an editor should be able to spot the the nugget of a, a great idea <laughs> within a, a, a synopsis that perhaps is a bit too broad or for one reason or another just needs a bit of refining. Mm. Well, I think there are many reasons as well why us artists would like to consider writing a book and I think there are pros and cons to it but before we get into that I think now is a very good point we're going to take a short break to brush up on some of our favourite art materials. When it comes to watercolour one of the most fun things I think we can do is simply get that water and pigment really moving those colours merging with flowing juicy washes and big bold loose brushstrokes. In order to do this we need a brush that's going to hold tons of water and pigment while still retaining a consistent and reliable shape. So anything from the Rosemary & Co. Sienna range is my go-to brush when I want to loosen up and get in the flow. It's made to perfectly emulate natural squirrel hair. 
They're beautifully soft and they glide over the page, also having that kind of slight floppiness of squirrel hair that means you can't help but loosen up, painting with a smile on your face. They come in a range of sizes and a few different shapes, and although I have to say that one of my larger sized sienna mops on a big bit of paper is when I love these brushes the best. Not just a more affordable version of natural hair, but truly a completely wonderful range in its own right. Whatever you experience level and approach, I highly recommend giving these a go. To check out these brushes and to see all the other wonderful ranges, plus order a free catalogue anywhere in the world, please visit rosemaryandco.com. And now we've had our brush fix, let's get back to the episode and let's talk to those people out there who are maybe considering writing a book or they're in the process, maybe they have written a book. It'd be really interesting, Ed, to pick your brains about why should a creative person consider doing it from a business perspective? I think perhaps once upon a time, people would have had an idea that you'd write a book and just watch the royalties come spilling in. (laughs) And while there certainly are people who can make a very comfortable living from writing books, uh, realistically, the the chances of being a JK Rowling or similar are are fairly minimal. And so we can look at how having a book can impact the other aspects of your career. So yes, you will get paid. There are basically two options when you approach a publisher. Uh, You can either get a fee payment, which is a one-off payment for writing the book, or you can choose a royalty, which is effectively profits on the book. So after the fact, but then they will roll on and on. They'll tend to be, well, obviously they'll (laughs) depend on the sales of the book, but uh, you can make a lot more money with a royalty. But of course, you're taking on a little bit more of the risk alongside the publisher. In, In addition to to that aspect, the the direct reward of or monetary reward of writing a book. There's also the the sort of knock-on effects you've got of building your profile. Mm. So being able to make more of yourself by getting your name out there, it's difficult to sort of put a particular value on that. But I think anyone who's running, say, an Instagram stream or – a Facebook page, or in fact, any sort of social media, then simply the the act of having a, a book will put you one step ahead of mm. other people uh, in the same position. I think that's a really important point for people. And I'm just going to talk about my own experiences very briefly is that when I started talking with uh, you guys at Search Press, and it's funny that I, and it sounds strange, but I didn't actually even consider the financial aspects of the book my mind actually jumped more to a i'd actually really just like to write a book and and do this it sounds really fun but b also i thought much more about the kind of longer term benefits of of writing a book for my profile and you know it kind of in some ways it sort of maybe expert is a bit strong but it kind of pitches you at a certain level in what you do and i think that's important it literally gives you authority. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's it, the it word. Gives you that sort of gravitas and that nous. I mean, you know, before going more into the sort of uh, the, the the physical rewards, there's there's also the reward of focusing your own mind when you are asked to explain a particular aspect of uh, what you do. Then, and you are continually being challenged by. Uh, occasionally recalcitrant editors who are sort of saying, <laughs> yeah, but I want you to expand a bit more on this. Or, no, I don't really understand what you mean by this. Or, isn't this saying the same thing? Mm. 
you you will refine how you work. And I think it, it's often very useful to be able to, you know, just meditate a bit on yourself and say, this is how I'm working, but why am I doing it like that? Is there another way? And that that push to experiment, that mm. that push to create, I think is at root of every artist. And it's certainly at the root of everyone who wants to be a successful author. Because just trotting out the same old material, the same old ideas that other people have, well, you know, you can you can get a perfectly usable book. Mm. But the the ones that that really sail, the the ones that fly are the ones where you can just tell the author is just bursting with the ideas. Yeah. And it that's actually one of the things. Uh, sorry to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but uh, they occasionally I'll have an author who's slightly concerned about giving away their trade secrets, as it were. And, it, you know, it's very understandable. I mean, the second that you've uh, put down something that you've spent ages working on, you've sort of brought up, it's your, your little baby, and you perhaps share it with a small group in person. Putting it in a book suddenly seems, oh, well, now anyone can copy it. Mm. Anyone can do it. But I've always felt that if you are genuinely creative, then giving someone else an idea tends to mean they give you ideas back. You you both end up with two ideas. It's not like apples. You know, it, it's, <laughs> you don't use these ideas up. And secondly, of course, it, it's a nice way of saying, well, look, I, I can make a legitimate claim to have put this idea together in a particular way mm. because it's published in a book. You can see when it came out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you can then say, well, look, you know, perhaps there's nothing new under the sun. But, you know, at that point you're saying, well, a landscape's a landscape. Why paint another one? Yes. You know, a portrait's a portrait. Everything is different. Everyone's got their own unique signature, their their own style. Successful author is someone who you can just see buzzing with ideas that just wants to to cram them in, but explain them in a way that just encourages more people. I mean, ultimately, being a painter, being an artist, if you are happy to just paint in the comfort of your own home and hang them on your walls for no one else ever to see, that's fine. Mm. But if you're someone who wants to display in galleries, if you want to be a commercial artist, or even just to to share things, just non-commercially, you've got to have something of the showman about you. you. You've got to want other people to to look at your stuff and and like it and want to do something like it. I think, I think that is a really really uh, important point, Ed. I think it's a fantastic point um, because a lot of what we talk about, although there is the the business element and the nitty gritty of numbers and earning a living. A lot of what we're talking about with creativity is that slightly less tangible stuff, which is kind of what mm. you're touching on a little bit more here. And I think is, um, is really fascinating. And I think it's important for, um, people to hear that sort of thing. It's, and I think for me as an artist, for example, like in many ways, and you touched on it here, I, this information that I'm sharing when I'm teaching and when I'm writing a book, I share completely openly and freely and because I don't feel like it's my information to hold on to. And as you said, it's like I'm not really teaching anything new, but I may have packaged it up and explained it in a slightly different way and given it a little yeah. tweak that is uniquely mine. And I'm excited to put a stamp on that and I'm excited to share it with people. And I think then yeah, the knock-on effects of that 
like as you say, that kind of buzz and that passion you have, it, it's only going to do positive things for your business. Um, I think it's, yeah. there's an attitude that comes along with it. And although I've not done a book yet, I know full well as a working artist that anything I do, whether it's a magazine article or I do an art fair or an art show or this or that and the other, go on a podcast, all of these things have little knock-on effects to other parts of your business. Like teaching yeah. is a fairly substantial part of my business. And I know that writing a book and publishing a book with you guys is going to, as you said, raise my profile. It's going to give me a little bit more authority and it's going to get my name in front of the right sort of people that may then choose to join me for other parts of my business, whatever that looks like. And it actually, you know, well, uh, obviously I've been speaking from my experience as uh, an editor. It, it's well worth noting that the value that the marketing and sales and, mm. and the warehouse team in making sure these books get out to the right people you know, one of the one of the great strengths of publishing uh, with a with a professional publisher is that they have the roots into bookshops. Mm. You know, self publishing. Peter, I'm sure you'll have experienced if you if you tried to get a book into Waterstones or whatever, it's very very difficult. They they you know the the buyers won't won't often speak with you. Uh, or if you are, you've really got an uphill struggle. Whereas if that you work with a, a larger publisher who has that uh, relationship already in place, it's a, a lot easier. And, uh, you know, it, it just allows things to flow a bit more smoothly. I think it's really worth dissecting that difference between you know, publishing and working with publishers like yourself and self-publishing. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting, I, I came at self-publishing from the point of I was writing a lot of information down anyway myself. And I thought, well, I may as well just write a little bit more and compile it in a book. Mm -hmm. And I was selling that sort of individually. So I was only selling it when I was out and about at fairs and events and and teaching things. And you're right. I tried to see if other places would pick it up. But because I was just a one-man band busy doing everything else, Mm -hmm. it sort of didn't go anywhere. So it was very much, you know, an lonesome job. Whereas I can see by working collaboration with a publisher – the support of having a team there to support yeah. you and to guide you. And of course, the, your industry experts, you know exactly what to do to tweak, to adjust, to make the book not only readable, but also commercial and getting it in front of the right people and the right um, bookshops and so on. There's certainly you know a good relationship there. What I enjoyed mm. about self-publishing was that that creative project. Yeah. You know, I had this new creative project and that creative freedom. Having said that, I would have also benefited enormously from an expert looking and saying, actually, if you tweaked it a little bit, it would perhaps come across a lot better and work a lot better. What are your experiences for those people that have maybe worked uh, with you, with a publisher, not necessarily yourself, but also self-publishing and, and the kind of the pros and cons of that, especially for those people out there who are thinking of writing, but maybe working with a publisher is not necessarily the first starting point. Yes, absolutely. And we, we spoke earlier about uh, the, the commercial aspects, but we've also touched on other reasons why you might write a book. And I think if you are uh, self-publishing, I mean, that that's a, a perfect route if you want absolute control over what is in the book. It means that you can explain things exactly how you want. And it, of course, means you're also getting all the financial rewards because, you know, you haven't had to to share any of the, the risk. Why share the reward? The downside, of course, is that if you want it to be successful, then you've got to balance that against the investment you're prepared to put in. 
working on your own in isolation it's quite difficult to uh, perhaps find a good structure for the book you've got uh, the aspects of uh, the the printing costs the photography costs if you want to employ an editor which you know even if you're self-publishing it's well worth consulting someone even if it's you know in a relatively casual way to have a look over but the value that uh, a professional editor a professional proofreader a copywriter any of these uh, professionals designers they can really add value and make it a, a commercial aspect. So if, if you are coming at, at self-publishing, have a good think about why you're doing it that way. Because it may well be that if you spend some time refining and working through it, if you're prepared to put in that investment, both in terms of time and energy and financially, then you know you, you can have a great success. If you wanted instead to go through a, a professional publisher, then you only have to wear one hat. You, you only have to be the author. You know, the, the editor is there to basically handle everything else, to make sure that you've not going to worry about whether, you know, the decisions on, is this going to be softback or hardback? Is it going to be spiral bound? Is it, you know, the, the physical aspects, where are we going to get it printed? How are we going to store it? Because if you self-publish and you get 5,000 copies done, well, good gracious me, where are they going to go? In, in your back room, in, in your loft? Uh, and secondly, and perhaps more importantly, how are you going to get it to people? You know, If you are a, a professional artist and you're not going to want to spend your time continually hiking down to the local post office, you know, posting out sort of half a dozen copies here or there. So letting someone or letting the publisher handle that aspect of it in return for sharing some of the reward, it's a, it, it's a balance. Mm. You, you've got to, to find out what, what's going to work best for you. So I think what comes across is whatever you choose, like writing a book is a substantial amount of effort. Not to say it shouldn't be that. It absolutely should. That's part of the fun of it. And you can share that effort with you guys. You can publish it yourself but there's a lot of effort goes into a book so then how clear do you have to be about your audience or how clear do you have to be about what the book is about because if you're gonna put in all this effort potentially a lot of money into it as well or certainly a lot of time although there's no guarantees what sort of tips can you put across for people either working with a publisher or self-publishing in terms of being very concise about your audience and being very concise about the book itself. Is that a necessary part of writing a book? Yes, I think it is. It's very easy for books to sort of expand beyond what mm. they're intended to be. And we now live in a very competitive world. If you want your book to succeed, then it's got to be getting to the right people. We are all bombarded with information and it's so easy to sort of miss something, to gloss over it. And so having a, a good focus for the book, it's very, very rare cases where you can just say, people will want to read a book about what I do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got to have that, that aim. So, uh, it, we spoke earlier about the, the different sorts of books we might do, like the, the beginners ones. Mm. Now the beginners, uh, books, it's it's got to be really clear. It's got to be concise. There's there's not much room for leaving things hanging and letting people catch on to things. Equally, if you're trying to appeal to 
a higher-end audience who are mainly looking for ideas and inspiration uh, or just uh, some some fresh ways to look at things. If you're spelling everything out, you're kind of closing it off. Mm. It's It's like a painting in that if you want like a super realistic painting, it's only going to tell the viewer what's there. If you're leaving something a bit looser, you're you're giving the viewers space to roam, mm. to make their own uh, judgments and enjoyments of the painting. And uh, ultimately, I mean, personally, that's the thing that's more, most rewarding about looking at a painting is where I feel like the the artist is not condescending to me, mm. not sort of spelling everything out exactly, but letting me make my own connections and commitments. It's a real balance, isn't it? Because it's like how you're balancing getting across the information, getting across your passion as the author, but as you say, not condescending. Um, and so I, do you think if someone is writing a book, mm-hmm. Should they almost be picturing their like ideal reader and exactly who that is and almost like writing the book for that person, this made up person maybe in their head or even a real person that they know? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think, uh, that there's, there's lots of ways to approach it. Um, there's, a, there's a really good outline of becoming an author on, on our website. Right at the bottom left, there's becoming a search press author. There's a little clicky link. And there's got, there's got some good advice there about what you need to consider before you put a proposal in. Perfect. Picking what your audience, knowing your audience, I think is important. Mm. It, it, that's something that a, a publisher should be able to help with. And it, it comes in very early in a book's life, uh, at the acquisition stage. Now, there's a number of routes into producing a book. One might be the publishers decide, well, we want a book on X subject or with Y appeal. And we'll then, you know, the commissioning editor. So this is another, uh, another of the hats, uh, I, I wear is going out and finding new books. And in fact, a lot of the editorial staff will look around and we, we're interested in art and we see these artists and craftspeople and we think, do you know what? they'd be really good for this book. And we'll approach them. We'll say, you know, look, we've got this idea for a book. Have you ever considered writing? We want to do X, Y, and Z. The other one will be proposals sent in blind. So effectively, someone's come up with a clever idea and they've sent it in. We were talking earlier about how uh, an editor can help refine that. To to come back to the original question of do you need to know your audience? Yes, I, I think it's fundamental. It's there's there's not enough space in the market to get past the the trade buyers for something that's just very generalist. Mm. When they can have something that they know is really going to hit a, a particular trend or uh, appeal to a particular market, they're probably not going to go for that generalist title. So you've you've got artists that, as you say, they approach you with an idea. So if we just say hypothetically here, like a listener there has come up with an idea for a book and they decide they mm-hmm. want to get in touch with you. Yeah. What sort of advice can you give them? I know you've said on the website, but maybe just a, a brief summary of some tips or, and also is there anything that you're looking for? Is, is there anything about their career that's going to help you make that decision? Like if they've written magazine articles or they have a YouTube channel, how, how are these things going to affect the way you think about that proposal? 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'd certainly say that all of those things help. Having a, a sort of big social media following is always really helpful because it helps with that commercial aspect. I mean, uh, it, we keep returning to that, but fundamentally, you know, we're a business. And while we want to make books that reflect and bring something uh, joyful and wonderful into the world, we've got to make sure that, you know, we're covering the printing costs. We've got to make sure that, you know, I can go home and don't have to huddle around a candle. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> So having a, a decent social media following is a benefit. Writing articles is a benefit. Uh, having some experience in teaching is definitely a benefit. I just want to pick out on the fact that you're specifically saying a benefit. So it might be a benefit, but it's not if someone doesn't have all of those things, it's not to say that they shouldn't put a proposal together and they shouldn't consider writing a book. This is just from a commercial point of view. It may make absolutely. it more attractive for that particular author. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason at all why if you've come up with a stellar idea, you shouldn't put the proposal in. Mm. Now, I, I will say, as the commissioning editor, you'd be on to an uphill battle explaining it. But that's not to say we, we never get books like that. I mean, books come from all over the place. And in fact, self-publishing can feed into publishing through a, a publishing house. You know, uh, one of our authors, Stephen Coates, self-published. We found the book, liked it bought the rights and worked it up into a book. Now, the, the difference there, because it, it's an interesting case study, is that it uh, suddenly put uh, Stephen's name further than it was before. So coming back to those benefits of having a pu published book, Search Press has expanded quite well. We're an international company. We've got offices in America, Australia, and we publish pretty much worldwide. And the difference in market between the, the UK, which still makes us a, a substantial portion of our sales and North America is, you know, marked. It, it will enable you if you are an artist who perhaps teaches somewhere in, in the Midlands and you can reach people directly, then you've got a small field of uh, mm. people who can benefit from your artistry. If you've got a book that you've self published and you're able to get that book, to those people you teach, then they'll probably show their friends. You've expanded your market a bit. Mm. You go online, you go on Instagram, you go on TikTok, you you post these things, and uh, suddenly you've got a, a much bigger market, a potentially international one. But the chances of you being seen against everybody else mm. are minimal. Once you've got the book and you've got the weight of uh, a marketing team and a sales team getting you into the magazines, getting you into the spaces online, getting you uh, onto the radio, wherever, all of these places, getting you into Amazon. You know, Amazon is a huge aspect of publishing full stop mm. for, for, for good or for ill now. Being able to be on there and standing out from, well, the thousands of titles that will pour through from publishers all over the world and self-published books is amazing. So in terms of an artist out there that may wish to approach you with an idea or a concept for a book, would it be helpful for you to see a certain amount of you know, copy? So would you like to see a chapter or an example or just the bare bones of an idea? You know, is there a minimum amount for a pitch that uh, someone sending in would be required to achieve? We occasionally receive uh, proposals which are effectively finished manuscripts. And those are rarely successful, mainly because... A, a good idea requires refinement. Mm. 
Um, but in terms of putting together a successful proposal, I'd suggest that you have a clear idea of your audience. You are able to explain that by saying uh, where the book might sell, who it might appeal to, what sort of level the book is, whether it's uh, aiming more at beginners or more uh, advanced artists. I mean, all of our books are are aimed primarily at sort of hobby and leisure artists, with, with a few exceptions. Having a, a good sample of the copy you can write is very handy mm. because that will immediately give uh, the the commissioning team an idea of, okay, this person can write fluently and clearly. Uh, so perhaps it would be a simple case of helping refine. But even if you can't write beautifully, that that's not necessarily a, a, a gate. That, mm. that That's the editor's job in many ways is to refine the text and not, as I say, rewrite, but provide some guidance on where you might tighten the text up, uh, get it a bit more pushy, uh, compelling, and give it a bit more oomph. So coming coming back to the the, the critical things for a proposal, there's a, a good idea of who you market are. There's competitive titles, and that's a really key thing for us. If if you know there are other books on the market that are similar to yours, then the immediate question is, well, why should someone buy your book? Mm. What's different about it? And if you can push put together, say three or five points about why your book will do something differently, mm -hmm. something better, or something new, then that's brilliant. That, that's a really good elevator pitch for your book. Mm. And then the, the other thing, of course, is, you know, sample of your art and craft work. Yeah. Because, you know, that there are people who can walk the walk and people who can talk the talk. And, uh, you know, while we always encourage people to to push on and enjoy themselves and things, ultimately we we want to make sure that we're we're publishing stuff that people are going to want to to make or paint or do i think that's some fantastic information there ed i think um it cleared a lot of things up the big the big thing i'm taking away is um it's a certain level of clarity on kind of all levels uh, you know a clarity of what you're trying to say as you're writing the book but a clarity if you're pitching a book a clarity of audience and just being very clear about what it is that you're setting out to achieve in every possible way, really. That's exactly right. I mean, fundamentally, the the editor's role to come right back to the start of the conversation is to help get get ideas across from the the author or artist to an interested party. So just in the same way as if you're a good teacher, you'll be able to get it across directly. Yeah. If you're putting it into the medium of a book, it's going to be different to putting it into the medium of a podcast different to putting it across in the medium of uh, a video yeah and if you can do if you can demonstrate uh, as as an artist that you are able to write to a format if you're able to put your ideas together uh, then brilliant and if you struggle to do that then you need help you know with whatever aspect you know if you're putting together a video then get a videographer you know, if you, if you're trying to, to write a book and you're, you're finding you're struggling to, to write it yourself, then if you choose the self publishing route, look for a, a, an editor who can help you out. And if you're going, uh, for the, the published book through, through a publisher, then the editors there that the whole team, everyone hmm. will be able to help you 
uh, and help guide and uh, structure it. And to be honest, even if you're sending in a proposal and it's uh, unsuccessful, we always like to give feedback and sort of explain, I'm sorry, we've got a lot of books on our list on this particular subject. We don't see how it might stand out, mm. but we really like your work. We, you know, we'd love you to to consider writing something else, or you know, if you have any other ideas, come, come back to us. So a, a rejection is not a an outright no, never you have failed. <laughs> it's it's like taking your paintings and putting them in a gallery. Not all of them will sell. You know, some might sell immediately. Some might hang on the wall for months. They might eventually sell, but. If you're a commercial artist, you're going to want to paint more like the first one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, th- that's the angle. If, if you're trying to make a, a, a living from it, then sure, the, the ones that you're particularly proud of that perhaps don't sell, well, maybe those, those are, those are personal. You, you keep yeah. those for yourself. They're still worthwhile to paint. It's Definitely. still worthwhile enjoying yourself. Cause if you're just writing to, to task or painting to task, it's, it's going to show. I can almost hear these pencils scribbling and the keyboards <laughs> typing of all these books that are currently being written based upon people listening to this. I hope that has inspired you. Ed, thank you ever so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and thank you for being so open and uh, honest and sharing your advice and knowledge on this. For those people out there that would like to find out more information about Search Press and all those wonderful uh, different books that you do, how can they do so? Oh, well, they can come straight to the Search Press website. Um, we've got, you know, the, the full catalogue on there and you'll be able to, to search through by subject, by author, because obviously, uh, authors have followings. But if you're just particularly interested in trying something new, you can have a little search on there. I also ought to point out that we run, uh, Bookmarked, which is a, a website which is with the aim of supporting our books. Uh, it's on www.bookmarkedhub.com. And on there, we've got material that will help support. So where we're unable to, say, print, say, a full-size sketch that for use as painting, we'll reproduce it in the book as a smaller version, but bookmarked will include larger versions. It also has sort of author interviews and uh, any sort of extra bits like uh, suppliers lists. It's a really useful little uh, resource. So I thoroughly encourage you to have a little explore. Amazing. Thanks so much, Ed. That was fantastic. Uh, so, guys, happily so. It looks like books in all their forms are here to stay. They're clearly a much-loved element of the art, craft and creative world. In fact, I would go as far as to say the two seem to go hand in hand quite naturally. Writing one may not be for everyone, but whether you fancy doing it yourself or working with a publisher, we've seriously got a lot to consider after that. Plenty of food for thought, I'd say. Yes, and thank you everyone for listening to this special episode. And thank you all so much for your reviews and ratings, both on our website and on Apple Podcasts, because they really do help keep the podcast visible and free for everyone. And finally, you can catch up with everything we've discussed during this episode. We'll put all the links to Search Press on the website, all the previous episodes on our website, which is askanartistpodcast.com. Did you know, alongside Jackson's extensive range of quality art materials, they also offer bespoke canvas sizes and picture framing. They offer perfect, exhibition-ready classic frame styles in a variety of finishes to choose from, which is so good for us artists looking for a frame in a hurry. And to make deciding a little easier, you can even upload an image of your painting so you can see what the final product will actually look like. 
To find out more about the framing and canvas services offered by Jacksons, simply visit their website at jacksonsart.com.